Welcome to another episode of The Bandage Podcast, a weekly wrap-up of the most trending healthcare news. Each week, join me and my co-host, Alex Ross, as we'll discuss the latest in healthcare, health IT, and compliance. In this week's episode, we discuss food contamination with glass pieces, predicting schizophrenic episodes, and trick-or-treating in 2020. Let's wrap things up. This is episode 55 for the week of October 19th. I'm Matt Moneypenny. And I'm Alex Ross. Before we get started, our diagnosis code of the week is F51.4, sleep terrors, parentheses, night terrors. You know, interestingly enough, Matt, this is something that I've I've started dealing with recently. Uh, as you know, it's kind of a spoopy season right now. Everything's yeah. kind of eerie, kind of scary. Uh, and so... Obviously, I want to get in the spirit, and with all of the haunted houses closed, I thought, what a great idea, I'm going to haunt my own house. And so, uh, you know, I put on some scary movies and decorated everything with spider webs, uh, and it was great. It was wonderful until the power went out, and it was pitch black, like midnight, uh, and I couldn't see anything. And Mm -hmm. all of these Halloween traps that I had set were just uh, popping out everywhere. And let me tell you, I did not sleep well that night because of everything that I had just seen. Ah, uh, yes, of course. Did you, uh, you could have, you know, with night terrors, it's usually sleeping related. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I said, I did not sleep well that night. No, no, no. You're supposed to be asleep. <laughs> no, no. That's what I'm saying. I did not sleep well that night because I had night terrors because of this experience. Ah, uh, okay, okay, good. All of this okay. spookiness. Just, you know, I got to make sure of these details. a little details. too much for me. <laughs> <laughs> I got to make sure of these. I'm not a medical coder, but if I was, I would look into these details, you know? <laughs> Probably uh, for the safety of all. And with that, let's get right into the news. First up, we have Don't Forget Your Daily Serving of Glass Bits. The USDA's Food Safety and Inspection Service issued a public alert about ready-to-eat meals from Taylor Farms. A Taylor Farms employee discovered pieces of glass in the product during production. FSIS is concerned that some contaminated products may be in consumers' refrigerators, so they're advising people to throw out the products that Taylor Farms named in the alert. The products were shipped to retail locations in Houston and San Antonio, Texas. A recall was not requested because it's believed that the products are no longer available for purchase. Anyone who has eaten the products and developed any indication that they may have Consume glass bitch should seek medical attention. That's always the worst when there's something in your food that's like hard and you're just kind of chewing it away. It just take and and takes you, just you back and then it turns it. out that it's glass and then it cuts your mouth. Yeah, that would be terrible. <laughs> I, I think it's kind of curious that the employee discovered the pieces uh, rather than like actually finding them in a finished product. Yeah, I feel like glass is a pretty big deal. <laughs> yeah, we're we're... Where's the glass coming from? I've been to a few manufacturing facilities, and they don't tend to have a bunch of glass everywhere, right? It's usually just like metal and even sometimes plastic, but not really glass. So I do, yeah, I wonder where it's coming from. Was it in the foods that were harvested or, you know, what's going on here? You know how there's like amber alerts that happen and you get like everyone's phone blows up at the same time and it makes that, that dreadful sound? Right, exactly. I wonder if there's ever going to be a part where it's like a text service that tells you that there's a recall the moment that the recall happens. 
because I feel like most people, when a recall happens, unless it's a massive one across the entire country, like with lettuce or something, they're not going to know. Right. So I right. wonder if that'll ever happen because I feel like you could, I mean, you could have to go through surgery if you end up swallowing glass and it's mm-hmm. significant enough. I know that a lot of like supermarkets have started participating in, in like alerts for their stuff. For example, I, I shopped at one grocery store and then the next week something I bought was recalled and I got like a text message from yeah. the grocery store saying, hey, this item was recalled. You bought it recently. Bring it back to us and we'll give you your money back. Yes. So that, that was kind of useful, kind of the same vein um, providing those alerts. So I could see it being something similar to like an Amber Alert where it kind of rings on your phone, um, but more specialized to the specific stores and where you bought it. Yeah, right. Exactly. Next up, can smartphones predict mental health patterns? Passive no. data f- <laughs> Passive data from smartphones can help predict episodes of schizophrenic relapse, according to a new Cornell Tech research. The researchers examined how smartphone data can predict patients' changes in behavior patterns in the 30 days leading up to relapse. The researchers used encoder-decoder neural networks to detect behavioral patterns such as sleep, number of missed calls, and the duration and frequency of conversations. The method found a median 108% increase in behavioral anomalies in the 30 days leading up to relapses, compared with behavior during days of relative health. Predicting when someone's symptoms are going to change before relapse can help with getting early treatment and possibly prevent an inpatient visit. They're always watching you. That little device you got in your pocket. Now it's uh, even helping you figure out when your your next potential mental health challenge will arise. Schizophrenia is the one disease where I'm like, I like it's it's definitely like top five diseases that I don't want. <laughs> like, yeah, it just sounds terrible. And there's like two hundred thousand people get in the U.S. They get uh, diagnosed with it every year, and it's like it can happen anytime. Like you're more susceptible when you're like in your twenties for whatever reason, mm-hmm. but. The fact that it could just like pop up out of nowhere and you're just like, whoa, like this right. whole time, you know, this could be, re- this could be fake. This entire podcast could be fake and it could be a schizophrenic <laughs> episode. Uh, no, this my whole is life not a could schizophrenic be fake. episode. This is episode 55. Ah, <laughs> welcome to the bandage <laughs> schizophrenia episode. <laughs> That's an episode you'll probably never hear uh, because that one did happen in your head. That sorry. Yes. Yes. But you know, I mean, Technology just goes back to what we always talk about every week where technology is getting better and better at helping us with specific diseases and we'll mm-hmm. see what happens within the next decade. It's going to be uh, just another layer of permissions when you are using your phone. It's going to say, give your phone permission to track health habits. Yeah. Another little checkbox that nobody's going to read. Um, and Google's going to use it against us. And- they're going to sell that data to commercial doctors who are going to start sending you emails saying, have you had these symptoms? Because you're going to receive, have. you're going to receive a piece of mail that talks about your, it says you're about to experience a schizophrenic episode. And you're like, no, and then <laughs> you're like, whoa, <laughs> I'm sorry, but receiving a piece of mail, like snail mail that predicted a mental health episode Amen. would probably give me a mental health episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. After it happened, I'd be like, what? How did they know? <laughs> that would be not cool. 
hopefully we're protecting consumer data a little bit better than that. Next up, is my ghost mask enough protection against COVID-19? Communities are starting to outline their guidance for trick-or-treating this Halloween. Some counties are allowing trick-or-treat since it's an outdoor activity and people can maintain social distancing between other groups. It's recommended that people don't go in large groups and that everyone wears a mask. Costume masks shouldn't be used as protection unless they're made of at least two layers of breathable fabric that cover the mouth and nose and don't leave gaps around the face. It's unsafe to wear a protective mask over a costume mask since it makes it too difficult to breathe. Other counties are advising against traditional trick-or-treat, saying that there wouldn't be enough distance on porches. Instead, they recommend drive-by events or socially distant candy distribution, such as zip lines and shoots. I have definitely heard of candy shoots, but I'm trying to figure out what a candy zip line is. You know, if there's <laughs> any time to be a crazy doctor for Halloween, this is that time. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so everyone just get a surgical mask and a bone saw and, you know, you'll be fine. It'll Perfect. Be Everybody you know, just, can be the same just person. Pick up a bone saw at your local hardware store, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to get in my car, right? I'm going to say, I'm going to put a sign on my door that says drive by trick or treating in progress. And I'm going to get in my car and run and drive through the uh, neighborhood that I live in. And anytime I see kids, I'm just going to throw my candy at them and you know, say, trick or treat, you <laughs> filthy animal. <laughs> you know, that's not a terrible idea. I, I, I kind of like the idea. It's like I a know. parade, except it's a surprise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> surprise parades. Do <laughs> you imagine like a zip line of candy? It's like, or like, what if, what if I put parachutes on my candy bars and I shoot them in the air with a potato gun? And, they and then they come down like down. an airstrike. I like that idea. Then the kids can catch them in their little buckets. Exactly. Uh, See? I definitely had the thought that maybe my entire porch should turn into like a Rube Goldberg machine. You mm. know, when the kids come up and they push the button to get some candy and some dominoes fall. Yes. And some marble rolls and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then at the end, finally, some candy drops down. <laughs> That'd be perfect. That could be great. Great. Other than the fact that I'd have to reset it between kids, uh, which what probably... If would be you know difficult. if you're an engineer this either if you're planning on being a psycho doctor or you're an engineer this is the best year for trick-or-treating in your entire life <laughs> absolutely i just i, I want to see people get creative with their candy shoots i've seen enough of the pvc pipe painted orange and taped to your stair mm -hmm. railing mm -hmm. i want to see like a full slide with like curves and loops and crazy yes. stuff and jump i'm gonna get one of those those gatling gun t-shirt shooters that they have at uh at basketball games and i'm yeah. just gonna be circling my driveway and just shooting it into the air i like it i like it <laughs> i'm sure that will draw in all of the kids <laughs> I, I will say my neighborhood is not really the greatest for trick-or-treat i've handed out candy the last two years uh because I almost feel bad. There's just no one else handing out candy. There's a couple, but honestly, I handed out last year. I went to Wendy's and I got those uh, Frosty coupon books. And oh. each book, I think, has five free Frosties in it, and they're a dollar a piece. And so you're supposed to give one coupon to each kid. Like, that's the idea. But I saw so few kids. I was literally giving them like two full books. I'm like, here you go, 10 free Frosties, good luck. 
Imagine going to, imagine being a little kid and going to a house and instead of candy, they give you a coupon book. I know, right? What a jerk. No, but it, I would love that, especially because it's like 10 free Frosties. Now my parents got to Yeah, except it's dependent on your parents and your mom's totally going to steal about half of those as a parent Yeah, exactly. That's why I gave them two. (laughs) (laughs) But I was thinking this year I was going to do full-size candy bars because frankly, like, I counted last year, I only saw 11 kids in the two and a half hours, and that was before coronavirus. So I'm sure this year I'm only going to see like five. (laughs) So full-size candy bars it is, and anything I have left over, I will happily eat. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Let's go on to our next segment. B-R-E-A-C-H, Breach Patrol. It's a breach! All of the latest cybersecurity breaches. Welcome to Breach Patrol. We talk about the latest breaches all across the world. First up, we have we'll fix your computer at a small price of your data. An application has been filed against the computer repair service CPlanet IT Solutions. This comes after an April data leak containing names, addresses, and ID card details of more than 330,000 Maltese citizens. 75% of Malta's population, in fact. The leak held a voter database that CPlanet IT Solutions possessed. 620 claimants have signed the application. It requests the civil courts to quantify and award the damages that claimants suffered as a result of the breach. The monitoring service that revealed the leak said the data was available for everyone to access with no need for password identification. The company brushed off the seriousness of the leak as a, quote, mishap. What a terrible downplaying. Hey. <laughs> Yeah, here's a breach of 75% of, uh, you know, Malta's population, but it's a mishap. <laughs> right, to put that on the scale of the U.S., like if, if we had that big of a breach in the U.S., that's like, I don't know, a little over 250 million or a little less. Yeah, I mean, no, that's, that's an insane amount. Let me just, I'll just do the math real quick. Through and through, it's a mishap. Yeah, 247 million-ish people. Mm-hmm. which that's absolutely insane. Now, obviously, Malta is a much smaller country. Um, but still, this one company having the records for that many people and then leaking them, that's insane. Yeah, that's not good. Uh, Planet IT Solutions. So I don't think it, they're going to be in business um, ever no, again. Probably not, <laughs> probably not much longer. It appears that because it was like a voter database that contained all this information, that they probably were contracted with some governmental body for mm-hmm. um, their election systems, their electronic systems. And I can tell you, they definitely won't be getting that contract again. No, so, sir. Now's a great time if you want to start an IT company in Malta uh, because they're looking for someone to take over a pretty big contract. <laughs> Next up, Verimatrix verifies it suffered a breach. Software company Verimatrix announced that it was the target of a sophisticated cyber attack, leading to a data breach. Verimatrix took prompt actions, which led to the containment of the breach. It sought assistance from internal and external cybersecurity experts to handle the attack. The ongoing investigation has not identified any impact on products or services provided to customers. The company said that it will continue to provide further updates in full transparency. Verimatrix is a company founded in 1999 which specializes in content security for digital television services around the globe, providing pay television service protection technology and secure 
VOIP. Well, thank you for that. Interesting that a, a security company is, is suffering a breach. Hey, it was not just a regular breach. It was a sophisticated cyber attack. Okay? Right. right. That little adjective makes a big difference. Kind of goes to our point that we make way too often um, on this segment. And it's mostly that it's not about how to prevent a breach from happening necessarily. It's about what you're going to do to thwart that attack right? Mm -hmm. How bad is it going to be? Are you going to stop it? Are you going to stop it very shortly after it happened? Are you going to completely drop the ball and just leak a whole bunch of information you shouldn't? And and that's kind of the point. Like It seems that Veramatrix is doing the right things, right? They seem right. to have contacted the right people, have got the, the breach lockdown. They detected it before it caused any major damage. Right. That's that's how to handle a breach in the right way, as opposed to, oops, we've been breached. We lost a whole bunch of information. Sorry, but it was just a mishap. Right. <laughs> right? Of, course. of course. So as you're thinking about your own cybersecurity, you know, think about Veramatrix. Their company is based around cybersecurity, and even they were the victim of a cyber attack. Yeah. Now, they cyber handled it well. They did Hackers the right know things. no bounds. Exactly. They, they might view, in some cases, cybersecurity firms as a challenge. <laughs> I could see just like some cybersecurity firms putting on a good show and actually having terrible security for themselves mm -hmm. because they think just the, the name recognition, just what they do will protect them from attacks. Right. Uh, but they should also be concerned. Obviously, uh, it won't. Cybersecurity groups do get attacked. Finally... You'd think a software company would have better cybersecurity defense. The German enterprise software company Software AG is the latest tech name to suffer a likely ransomware attack. On October 8th, the company obtained first evidence that data was downloaded from servers and employee notebooks. There were no indications for services to customers being disrupted. The company is further investigating the incident and doing everything to contain the leak and resolve the disruption of its internal systems. Although the firm's website appears to be running as normal, it's requesting users with support issues to email their problem and leave a number for callback due to technical issues with their online support system. The ransomware group claims to have wiped around a terabyte of data. It doesn't seem like this company knows exactly what data is missing. Then. Yeah, it seems kind of generic. Also, a terabyte of data seems like a lot. In like five years ago, it would have been a lot. But now it's like, eh, it kind of depends on the data, right? Right. But, I do wonder where, where's the ransom come in? Did they know about this attack? And they're just like, yeah, eh, true. they didn't get that much. And so the hackers just wiped it. Yeah, it's like they think it's a ransomware attack, but there's no, according to this report, there's no evidence that there's ransom that they're asking for. But somehow the group is wiping data because there's no ransom that's paid. It seems that someone is really terrible at communicating their demands. <laughs> Either that or the company is just being ambiguous so that they're trying to save their face a little bit. Right. So the hacker boss says to the hacker, hey, did you get that ransom yet? And he's like, uh, yeah, I, I asked him for it. Um, yeah, yeah, the hacker I, boss. I did. I did. And he's like, yeah. okay, well, let me know when they pay. 
Hacker organizations are very organized. <laughs> yeah, they're just like your regular everyday businesses. They've got an office with employees. Yeah, it's like the, the regular hackers are like the salesmen and they get paid in commission based on the, the ransom that they receive. Exactly, uh, except it's a forcible sale. Right, right, <laughs> exactly. You can't say no. Let me tell you, you can't say no to this awesome deal that I have for you. <laughs> I mean, you can. You can choose not to pay. You can, but we'll just delete your data. It's so. just a lot less likely. Right. Sounds like a pretty uh, pretty good business model. Yeah, probably not an ethical sales technique, though. Probably don't do that. It's not ethics. It's just business. Oh, man. <laughs> now we can get in a whole discussion of uh, the ethics of business generally. Let's avoid that. Let's save it for the next episode. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Okay. Well, that's it for this week's wrap-up of your weekly healthcare news. I'm Alex Ross. And I'm Matt Moneypenny. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of The Bandage. This week's episode was written and produced by eTactics. eTactics is a leading revenue cycle solutions organization committed to providing innovative, web-based solutions that improve our clients' cash management and customer relationships. Thanks, and we'll see you next week.